mindfulness mode. If you can take the challenges and the good times and the bad times and you can find ways to enjoy them. Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mother or if you have a mother in your life, it's a great day to just have gratitude for our mothers. And as you might know from listening to the show, my mother uh, passed back in April and I'm thinking about her today as well. By the way, thanks for all the condolences and thoughtful, kind words that you've sent to me on social media and email. Bruce at mindfulnessmode.com, which is where you can always email me. And I just want to mention a little bit about the guest today before we jump into the interview. I was so impressed. He he has always been a very creative and imaginative man. Now he uses all that creativity and imagination in his work that he does called, well, his business, it's called Innovation Bound. And he uh, has worked with the United Nations in New York. He worked as part of the first TEDx event there ever. And he's worked with a group of cybersecurity experts uh, who are working on some of the original uh, forms of the internet. It was just quite interesting to talk to him, and I think you'll find it interesting too. He also works with a lot of college students, young entrepreneurs, and nonprofit organizations. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with somebody who is all about imagination imagination and creativity and of course you know that we talk about those kinds of things quite a bit here on mindfulness mode because it's part of being mindful i'm here today with costa michaelis and it's really great to have you here costa costa are you in mindfulness mode today oh absolutely yes indeed that's awesome so costa what does mindfulness mean to you oh so i think i first encountered mindfulness in the book way of the peaceful warrior it was presented as satori um, yeah. by dan millman who's the author so that was probably the first introduction i got that would be the book recommendation to way of the peaceful warrior by dan millman so he was a gymnast right. i was a gymnast it was very easy to sort of connect but the uh the example that was given was that in gymnastics you you, you have to be mindful it sort of pulls mindfulness out of you automatically if you're swinging around the high bar and you're thinking about lunch or you just, you're going to fall and hurt yourself. You have to be 100% focused in the moment when you do things that are that physically demanding. Um, and so you have other moments in your life where you're not exhibiting mindfulness. And once someone points that out, you, go, you notice the stark difference. You, you go, oh, when I'm an athlete doing my, my moves on a high bar or the parallel bars or in whatever my sport is, I'm 100% in the moment. I have to be in order to perform. I don't hear if the crowd is cheering or laughing. Everything else is drowned out. It's just me in the ball or me in the rings. Um, and then you look at other parts of your life and your mind's scattered all over the place. And you're like, wait, why can't I, I do the mindfulness thing in the rest of my life? And so the practice begins. Do you still practice some of these gymnastic exercises? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I will do handstands nearly every day. I will occasionally you know, on the beach or somewhere where the ground is nice and soft because my knees are getting older, I will throw a backflip or two. Um, oh, yeah. So I still do a little bit. Um, I'll occasionally show up to an open gym class, swing around the high bar, um, do a little bit of that stuff. I will do it as long as I can. Yeah, that must be a lot of fun to be able to do all those things and 
and and I imagine it, it helps you keep your body healthy too. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. As long as I stay away from the really high impact kind of stuff, um, it should be pretty good for me for, for a good long while. Yeah. What other physical activities do you like to do in your life? So the one I discovered more recently um, was free diving. So I've been oh. holding my breath and chasing fish since I was a kid. Um, so it's always kind of been a part of what I do. I love the ocean. And then I took a free diving class in Hawaii several years ago. And um, before I took the class, I could hold my breath for about 57 seconds. I know because I tried and then I thought I was going to die. And I came out of the water and, you know, huffing and puffing. And during the class, I did a two minute, 15 second breath hold. Awesome. Was, yeah, it's a two day class. Like that's not lung capacity. There's no crazy change in your, that's just technique, just with decent coaching, doubled my breath hold. And then the deepest I had been on, on one breath was 25 feet or so. And then during the class made 70 feet. So it, it was almost as if those skills were inside you to begin with. And just with a little bit of technique and coaching, you could pull them out. So having that experience was really profound. Um, I have since met a variety of different people who do free diving. The gentleman who made the biggest impression on me is named Fred. I took my level three free diving class with Fred. Fred is 70. He dives to about 40 meters, comes up laughing. I'm like, Fred, this, you're incredible. How long have you been doing free diving? I figured, yeah, he's probably doing it since he was a kid, something like that. He said, about five years now. It's like, what? You picked it up at 65. Yeah. Wow. So 40 meters. That's a long way down, isn't it? It's a hundred and something feet. Yeah. That's far. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is so interesting. Well, speaking of interesting, I want to talk about creativity. Mm -hmm. Tell me why that's so important for you in your life and so important to teach to others. Absolutely. Creativity has in common with these other things that it is natural you are born with it. We are risk-seeking, adventurous little creatures when we start out, all of us. And then somewhere along the way, your brother tells you, dance like a monkey, or you take 150 math tests over the course of your education, just whatever it is, different things for different people. Someone may have told you you sing badly to shush, or whatever the incident or series of incidents was, your creativity was diminished somewhere along the way. There's an extent to which it has to be, we all kind of have to learn the skills of conformity in order to be able to, to behave in the world. And that's useful. I don't think we need to lose our creativity. Um, and there's a lot of data around what we call the creativity crisis in our industry. And there's also the fourth grade slump. These are things you can look up and dig into if you're particularly curious about it. But the idea is that right around fourth grade, the measures of creativity that we have, the Torrance test for divergent thinking is one example. There are others. Those tests start to level off and drop down once kids get to around fourth age. And that's when judgment shows up. And so this idea of mindfulness and being non-judgmental has a primary place in creativity. So the two things about it that are really profound for me is it's natural. We all have it. When I teach creativity, I'm not adding to someone. I'm pulling stuff out of the way. I'm trying to remove their judgment. I'm trying to restore what was originally there. Um, and then the other aspect of it is that a big part of creativity is this divergent thinking, this imagination, this thinking through all of the possibilities. Um, and that skill requires us to be non-judgmental. You have to put your judgment aside in order to generate lots of ideas. And among those many ideas will be one or two masterpieces. 
Um, everyone does it through quantity. Picasso did 40,000 works of art. You know, no one only does hits. Everybody does the work. Um, and in creativity, the work is come up with lots and lots of ideas, work on lots of different pieces, um, try lots of different ideas for solutions to whatever the problem is. As an entrepreneur, probably not going to succeed on the first venture. Try two, three, six, seven. It takes time uh, and work. And in that, being able to drop the judgment uh, and explore lots of possibilities is a profound part of the equation. You've recently worked with NASA scientists. Tell us about that and what the work was that you were doing. Yeah. So in my day job, I'm an innovation consultant. Uh, so project manager facilitator. So um, my job is to help groups of scientists think creatively together in order to develop research ideas. Um, so one example that uh, it was a lot of fun was we worked with a group of astrobiologists to reimagine the search for life beyond Earth. So the science here is, is curious. Uh, when we look for life beyond Earth, typically we were looking for signs of life that would be like us. So we look for a liquid water on the surface of a planet. We look for oxygen rich atmospheres, certain distance from the sun, that certain distance being kind of around what the earth has. So certain distance from a star for other planets. Um, and so we're looking for characteristics of life that's like us. And well, what if most life in the universe is not like us? What if it's silicon based or what if it's energy based or what if, what if it's just totally different? Um, we might slip right by it and never notice. And so that was their challenge. <clears throat> Pardon me. That was their challenge. And so my job was to do things like um, help make sure the group of scientists coming together wasn't just astrobiologists. Let's make sure there's an heliophysicist, a statistician, uh, a chemist. Let's make the group interdisciplinary. We want a diversity of perspectives in the room. So that's one piece. Um, another piece is you gotta get them to think across those boundaries. And so you're mixing people up, thinking across those boundaries. You're reducing the level of judgment in the room to make it easy to have ideas together and not need a final answer right away. So you're giving them space to explore and imagine. Um, you're letting them then uh, share in the evaluation and the feedback process. They'll be using feedback in order to improve ideas. The debate has to remain open. Um, so we keep the question open for the whole week. We don't, we don't try and close doors along the way. We try and keep them open. There's a variety of other skills. My work as a consultant is to facilitate the group through the creative process, is to guide them along the way in developing these innovative research ideas. So in their case, it was about reimagining the search for life beyond Earth. In other cases, we've done things like building synthetic cells, um, using supercomputers to enhance cancer therapies. Um, we've worked on circular economies for island nations. Um, it spans a lot of different uh, areas. And we do this work through a company called No Innovation, which is K-N-O-W Innovation. It's a ton of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun, mm -hmm. yeah. So did you put this company together or did you join this company? I joined. Mm -hmm. The company was originally founded in 2005. Um, there's a company. So along the way, my brother and I built a company called Innovation Bound. That's our company. Same kind of work, except in the business domain. So here we're working with large enterprises, business leaders, and we're typically doing training programs. So we're teaching these creativity and innovation skills to managers, directors, and other business leaders. Um, so that's the corporate work. So it's interesting what you said about children when they reach about fourth grade. What advice would you would you give to a fourth grade teacher or a fifth grade teacher to help to maintain that creativity in the children? Yeah. So 
the advice that I could give is you want to change the relationship they have with mistakes. There are two different things when we, when we think about mistakes. Um, when you're doing a piece of art um, and you're drawing and the line goes not exactly where you intend it to, that's an outcome. There's no reason to judge that. You just kind of go with it. It's something that happened. Cool, let's, let's follow. And you teach them to enumerate and sort of make lots of mistakes. And that's, that's divergent thinking. That's a, a wholly useful skill. And then there's um, you know, domains like in math, if you're crunching numbers and you're doing arithmetic and you add seven and three and you get nine, that's a mistake in the math. Seven and three is 10. And that's okay. And so distinguishing between a variety of outcomes and places where there's a single right answer, I think is important. The person whose work on, on, in my sort of uh, uh, universe, our team, our sort of extended network is named Cindy Burnett. She does some really powerful work around weaving creativity into the classroom. And so she's come up with ways that ma even math teachers and science teachers where there are concrete answers, even there you can weave creativity into the way um, the teaching happens. Um, I'm not, I'm superficially aware of her work. It's awesome. I haven't been deep into it. So, right. She sounds like she'd be an interesting guest for me to, Indeed. to interview. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, you know, you, you've got your whole life based around creativity and imagination. Mm -hmm. What do you do mostly for fun? You talked about the diving. What else do you do in your life that you just absolutely love? Yeah, I, free diving has definitely been the, the top thing. And I've since become an instructor. So I teach the level one course now, which is a ton of fun. So I try to do that when I can on the weekends. Um, oh, what else? I love movies. I mean, I really enjoy a, a good movie. Um, uh, gymnastics and some fitness stuff when I get a chance to. The I think the adventurous class of activities are the ones that sort of I gravitate toward. Um, right. So hiking, kayaking. Um, and you've put together a course that you are mm -hmm. going to be teaching. Tell us about that. Yes, Innovation 101 is now open and available to early birds. So we're on discount, it's 35 bucks after the discount. Um, so real easy to jump in for anybody who wants to. Um, the course right now is live with me so you get plenty of one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, you get plenty of one-on-one -on -one instruction. Um, and what we're doing in that course is we're teaching the five foundational habits of great innovators, which in plain English are coming up with lots of ideas, using feedback to improve ideas, asking the right questions, testing early and often, and being ready to improvise. And we can, if you hit the, the web page, you can learn a little bit about what each of those skills are. We also start off with what is innovation. So what would it mean to you to be able to use your creativity to solve some of the tougher challenges in your life? It's important to understand what your motivations are. We do that up front. And then at the end of the course, we do something around self-identity. This is, are you innovation bound? And the idea here is when you truly learn a skill and you learn it deeply, your self-identity shifts to include that new aspect. You will think of yourself as a creative person. That's my, my big goal is to get to the end of the course and for the student to say, I'm creative and to believe it deeply. And we all are, we naturally are. So getting people back to that place where they see themselves as creative is, is my goal. So that's the course in a nutshell. It's at innovationbound.com slash 101. And so who is the ideal student for this course? Mm -hmm. I, so I am discovering that along the way. Um, so far we have someone who's in charge of the data unit inside of their large corporation. We have someone who's an engineer and we have a couple of entrepreneurs. 
Um, so that's who showed up so far. But I'm, I would not be surprised if we get an artist or two, a musician or two, um, a couple of parents. Um, that, that's kind of what I expect. But I am open to being surprised. Right. It sounds interesting. And how long will the course take? So what I'd like to do is get it to the point where you could do the whole course in two hours. If you want mm -hmm. just the skills, get the skills, you move on with your life. Um, or if you want to continue to jump in on a weekly basis to do an additional hour a week or half hour a week, or if you want to follow the social media where we put bite-sized creativity training just right in the social media. So when you're scrolling through your feed, you come across our post, you'll see, oh, cool, a little creativity puzzle or an exercise that a different student has shared. Um, so just having little bite-sized learning. So I'd like to make it to where it can be anywhere from two hours up to uh, you know, an hour a week for seven months where you're really practicing the habits over time and getting really strong creative thinking habits. So is this the first time you've offered this course, the first time you've taught it? Yes, indeed. The skills that we teach, we've been teaching inside of uh, corporations and with scientists for, for me for about 12 years now. Um, for my team at large, well, you can add another decade for each person on the team, some of them two decades. Um, so there's a wealth of experience that's coming into this. You're literally learning the same thing we use with NASA scientists um, and big business leaders. It's the same skills. Wow. And so it's it's not recorded or anything. It's live with you then. Is that right? So there are weekly live sessions. That's how it's run right now. And then what we're going to do is take the best of those and make them recorded modules. So there will be nice. recorded modules right now. It's a live course. I see. So anybody that's jumping in now, you're jumping in at the best time, really. Pretty much. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah, that's really exciting. You're helping shape the course. Yeah. The trade-off here is I'm going to ask for your feedback. So if you did you know, three Mondays in a row and you did three live sessions, I'd love to know, well, which one did the most for you? How did it help you? So I'm going to ask for, for feedback from students. Very cool. Let's tell Mindful Tribe what that website is again so that people can go on there and check it out. And of course, it will be in my show notes as well. But but what is that website? So that's innovationbound.com slash 101. I always ask a question about bullying and mm -hmm. bullying can have a, a huge effect on not only children, but adults as well. Do you have a story you can share about the topic of bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? So the thing that came to mind for me for this was around uh, bullying with love. I think there was some mindfulness there. So uh, my brother and I have about seven and a half years difference. And so anybody with an older brother knows they're your bully. You sort of inherit them when you're born. It's great. Um, and so we'd get into, you know, a scuffle here and there. It was just sort of natural environment. But he was, you know, much bigger because he's seven and a half years older. And there was one time he was hanging on a pull-up bar, you know, one of the ones you set up in the doorway. So he's hanging on, and he's kind of kicking at me, um, just sort of kicking me away. And I'm trying to get at him. I forget. He stole my toy. I don't remember what we were arguing about. And he comes off, and I I swing to punch him, and I end up hitting him in the nose. And he's got like a nosebleed. He's checking his nose. He goes, oh, my God, a nosebleed. And I said real loud, still yelling, I'm sorry, I was aiming for your stomach, which to his response was to laugh and like be kind of proud of me that I like stood up for myself. So I think on his part, not retaliating was the, was was the mindful thing to do uh, and, and was ultimately good for our relationship. Um, but I think when that sort of uh, 
aggressive or assertive part of our nature comes at us, but it comes from a place of love in this case, two siblings and whatever we were arguing about, you know, ultimately we have since long forgotten. Um, I think it can be just fine. Wow. I want to ask you a question about meditation. Mm -hmm. Do you meditate? Is this part of your life? Uh, yes. So, uh, it's been a while. Um, and life's busy and you lose it for a while and you pick it back up. And for me, that's okay. Um, for some people being hundred percent consistent is the goal and they are, and that's great too. Um, so for me, what I did is, and another book recommendation here is Atomic Habits by, uh, I'm going to forget. James Clear. There we go. Yes. James Clear. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes. Um, so exercise was a habit I wanted to build and the promise I made myself was I will do at least one exercise every day. And so there would be days where a really full day, did a lot, got into bed, 1130 PM. It's like, Oh, I forgot my, forgot my exercise. And I jump out of bed, do 25 pushups, get back in bed and go to sleep just to make sure <laughs> I check the box. And what was nice is I could be 100% consistent because it was easy enough that I wasn't going to miss it. It wasn't going to happen. And you could put a reminder on the phone at 11 or something like, have you done yours today? And you can check it off. If you haven't, do it now. It's one exercise. You can do air squats while you're waiting for your coffee at the Dunkin' Donuts. It doesn't matter. Just do one. And then I got, I got from one to three, and then I added three stretches. And so for a long time, it was three exercises. So push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, or whatever the exercises were, three stretches. And the stretches could literally be, you know, stretch your wrists, stretch your shoulders. It doesn't matter. Um, and then what I ended up doing is adding meditation. I would do my three exercises, three stretches, and I'd sit. And for the meditation I was taught was, um, uh, the, the puppy in the wee wee pad. So if you have a puppy and you're trying to teach it to pee on the pad, you, you gently sort of put it on the pad and, um, you know, if it, it's going to wander off the pad cause it's a puppy, it doesn't it off the pad. so you pick it up gently like a puppy and you put it back on the wee wee pad. And then it keeps wandering off. You pick it up, you put it back until it pees on the pad. Cool. And so your mind will wander. And so you pick it up gently with as much compassion as you would the puppy. And you put it back on your, on your breath. And then your mind will wander because that's what your mind does. You pick it up gently like the puppy, you put it back on the breath. And so that's sort of, sort of compassionate refocusing on the breath, refocusing on the breath. That's all I was taught for meditation. Never really went deeper than that. But there is a sense of deep calm. Um, that that created for me. And I kept that up for years. Um, that sort of a little bit of exercising, a little bit of stretching meditation. And then I think I would do a handstand at the end. You have a new podcast and it's called, Are You Innovation Bound? Tell us about it. Yes. So we've been doing the Innovation Bound podcast at this point. So what we have done so far is we're talking to learning managers inside of large organizations. Um, and we're also talking to innovators. And so we, we do those two because at Innovation Bound, we concern ourselves with two things. One is um, teaching innovation, training it. And so we're talking to learning managers because many of them are responsible for the innovation capacity inside their organizations. They're responsible for bringing up managers and senior managers and frontline leaders who are capable of nurturing the creativity of their staff, who are capable of handling disruption in a marketplace. They're needing those skills. And so the learning manager is responsible for people uh, learning those skills. Um, and the other thing we're focused on at Innovation Bound is doing innovation. So we have a series of innovation projects. We're doing one with a charity on combating plastic ocean pollution. But we're doing another one that's a, it's a new kind of children's book. We call it a digital story. And the idea is that it's, a, it's, a, it's like a two second video that turns into a page, words appear, and that's the, the page. And then you hit a record button 
child reads the words, you hit next, you play the next page. You see page, words show up, you hit record, child reads the page. And at the end, it's a book that's narrated by the child. Uh, this one is about cormorants. Cormorants are diving birds. Um, they have solid bones, they're really heavy. They're really bad at flying. They're not like other birds, but they don't <laughs> care because they can go diving up to a hundred feet. They go down for minutes at a time. Uh, so if you've ever been scuba diving, in a kelp forest, it's quite possible that a cormorant, a bird will swim by and catch a fish and continue along the way. And we think these birds can teach the lesson of be yourself and they can help create confidence for kids. So, so we do innovation and we teach innovation. So what we try to do in the podcast is bring people on who are doing innovative things and then bring people on who are responsible for uh, people's learning. This sounds really cool. And is this podcast going to be available on uh, podcast apps soon? So right now it's just on our website, innovationbound.com slash podcast. Um, but we will put it up on Spotify and Apple and the rest of those places at some point. Yeah, yeah it sounds pretty pretty cool to listen to that. I, I'm looking forward to it myself. Yeah. We've had on yeah. an artist, um, an author, um, a few others. We did a whole episode on Hero's Journey which is really interesting. That's uh, Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. Really interesting storytelling framework. Lots of fun stuff. Yeah, it sounds like fun. I'm looking forward to it. As we move forward in the interview, Costa, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. Mm -hmm. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful influence in your life when it comes to mindfulness? Dan Millman. Mm, it's the yeah. way of the peaceful warrior author there's also a movie for those who are more inclined to movies called peaceful warrior i haven't seen that movie mm -hmm. i'll have to check it out mm -hmm. i've read the book but uh the movie sounds interesting number two how has mindfulness affected your emotions or how you deal with your emotions so for me because mindfulness was originally something i learned in sport um it changed my conception of of uh of emotions to emotional fitness so I think of emotional fitness rather than emotional intelligence or, or anything else. And fitness means you have to work out to stay in shape. If you don't work out, you're going to fall out of shape. Having a good coach is useful. Um, so fitness is a metaphor. If you use good techniques, you're likely to do it well. If you use bad techniques, you can get injured. So I think of it as emotional fitness. And that came from mindfulness in, in my sport. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. You've talked a bit about it already, of course, with the diving and everything, but let's just sum it up. Yeah, focusing on the breath, staying in the moment is tremendous. And what's really wonderful about free diving is you learn specific breathing patterns that can reduce your heart rate. Um, the reason we do it in free diving is to, to do a, a more um, efficient free dive to be able to go longer on that single breath hold. Um, uh, so using those techniques from free diving, but, um, in free diving, ultimately using breath to become calm, to, to develop a tremendous sense of calm, um, in order to do a free dive. Well, that is very interesting mm -hmm. because, uh, I haven't talked to anybody that's done free diving to the depth that you have mm -hmm. and and you're even a teacher of it. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty fascinating. It's a lot of fun. I am, I am barely scratching the surface. It's new for me. Some of the, the, the sort of world competitors, my instructor, they're diving to a hundred meters plus. Wow. Yeah. They're going down to three and 400 feet. It's insane. Yeah. That is insane. 
Well, you've already uh, shared the book with me, which is Way of the Peaceful Warrior by mm-hmm. Millman, Dan Millman, mm-hmm. and uh, apps. I would recommend, um, I think it's either called Habit Loop or just okay. Loop. I'm on Android, so that would be the Google uh-huh. Play Store. I'm sure there's something equivalent on the iPhone, but it is a very clean app for habit development. You just you put the habit in, you say how often you want to do it, daily, weekly, et cetera. You set a reminder if you want a reminder, and then you can check in at the end of the day and you look through your list of habits and you go, oh, have I been making more eye contact lately? Check, did that one today. Have I you know, been grateful? Did I have three moments of gratitude? Oh, cool, check. You can go through that list or maybe some other thing you want to do you didn't do and so you leave that one off today. Um, so I found that practice tremendous and the app was um, Habit Loop, I think is the name of the app. Okay, I'll check it out and I'll also put it in the show notes. So as we wrap up the interview, Costa, I want to ask you if you have any words of advice for anybody that's listening today and is kind of excited about innovation and imagination and would like to bring more of this into their life and just have a life where they feel more energized and more excited every every single day. Yeah, I enjoy the process. So Gymnastics taught me a couple of things, and I've seen it uh, show up again in the work that I do with scientists and everywhere else I, I look. Anything is possible, and that's good, good or bad. So anything is possible. We can do incredible things in the world, but anything is possible. Like you could get blindsided on a Tuesday by some tragedy um, or anything in between. And so in coping with that, enjoy the process. I think is something tremendous that I can offer. For me, going to gymnastics at the armory at the Flushing YMCA, it was written on a little white sheet of paper um, that's posted on the glass door, little diagonal scotch tape corners, you know what I'm talking about. It said, welcome to gymnastics, enjoy the process. And so for us, gymnastics was facing your fears, blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of joy and celebration, really, really hard work, Um, but we enjoyed every minute of it. Um, And I think life's the same. If you can take the challenges and the good times and the bad times and you can find ways to enjoy them, to engage them, um, that you ultimately will will have an enriched life. I would agree, Costa. And speaking of joy, it's been a lot of joy having you on the show. Thanks so much for being here, Costa. You're very welcome, Bruce. It was my pleasure. Okay, bye now. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the episode today. And if you want to see a video version of part of this episode, go to mindfulnessmode.com slash 760vid and type it in and that'll take you to the YouTube video. And you can go to YouTube and type in Mindfulness Mode Podcast and this will come right up. And I would love it if you liked the show on YouTube and you became a subscriber. That would be beautiful. So anyway, doesn't that course sound fantastic? Innovation 101 by Costa, the five foundational habits of great innovators. It really sounds awesome to me. And remember the question he asked, what would it mean to you to be able to use your creativity to solve some of the tougher challenges in your life? Well, that's what you're going to learn on this course. And it's only $35. It's the absolute beginning beta version. 
and you can go there, go to innovationbound.com slash 101, and you can sign up for the course. So thanks again so much for listening. Take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.